<laughs> okay, what were you going to say, Brian? <laughs> oh, well, you know, considering that she plays tuba, I was going to say it's not all about the brass, it's all about the bass, no Hey-o! treble. Hey-o. <laughs> <laughs> uh, cool, well, hello, everybody. This is Michael, and I'm here with Jamie Davis and Brian Green, and lurking in the back is Asar and Norman Davis, who may or may not join our conversation. And we are about to do the season finale of season three. Oh, yes, it's going to be great. <laughs> uh, so one of the one of the skits that I'm like really excited about um, party party party. <laughs> I think this is, this has such good legs, man. It's gonna go. I, I think you were, I think we're gonna see a lot in season four. Um, you want to tell us about it, Brian? Yeah, well, there's uh, I, I'm I'm not gonna give away too much because I think the episode uh, really uh, you know stands on its own in many ways, but. It's, uh, it's going to be focused on a, the idea of a party line. And what I love so much about this is, uh, you know, really the, 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 the sketch was hatched over several uh, meetings of the writer's room. And, and Kay Wise-Denty and I were, you know, talking about this idea of the party line and, and the sketch was starting to get fleshed out. And, uh, or one of the related sketches was, was starting to get fleshed out. And we're just talking about it, Kay and I, as if, yeah, I mean, it's like, yeah, that's what it was, and this is how they worked and all that. And it's like slowly dawning on us that that Michael really doesn't have any idea of what we're talking about. I mean, he has a vague idea, and he's kind of like playing along with it, but there's this like moment when Kay and I are just kind of looking at each other through the Zoom thing, and it's like, he doesn't really know what a party line is, does he? <laughs> and so that I, I think that that's just such a an amazing thing um, that you know over such a relatively short time, uh, a whole idea can can really kind of be lost that way. Yeah, well, I, uh, I grew up watching the um, Andy Griffith show, and so I always think of the Sarah, the operator, and. Um, and my parents talked about having a party line, so I've never used one, but I've heard at least of the concept. <laughs> well, yeah, that's cool. And, and yeah, uh, for one, I think one of the things that's, that's fun about um, Jollyville is that, that we do kind of have this, this kind of generation span, if I can say it without being too on the nose. Um, and I think that uh, I think that comes out in the skit in in a in a really fun positive way, and I and I really like that. But um, you know, speaking too about just kind of the, the the whole Jollyville project. So Brian was I can't remember if Brian was the first or second brass player to be officially part of the Jollyville. My cat's going nuts as he sometimes does. Jollyville brass quintet. Um, which is what turned into the, the podcast in quarantine. But then um, Jamie is one of our more recent, and Jamie's been around for a while now, but, um, and we connected over playing tuba. Um, yeah, I now tr- I can't, I'm oh, sorry, what I, were you going to say, Jamie? I was going to say, I, I tried to explain how I got roped into this uh, podcast to people and how it started as like a conversation about brass music, but this has nothing to do with, bra- it's very confusing. I just, I just say go with me. <laughs> yeah. Well, the um, the first time that so we yeah we started as a brass quintet. We were going for about a year and a half, and one of the shows that I remember most vividly and have the most silly pictures of is our Christmas show that we did at Central Market in Austin. 
where we we played some Christmas carols, but then in between we did um, like the little radio sketches and stuff like that, which is now episode 121, the Christmas episode, which we kind of, anyway, so, so yeah, that was our first one, and I, and there's this picture of us, it was, there's seven of us, despite the name, and Brian has, like, the dorkiest elf hat and elf sweater. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, the good times. There's also a YouTube video, but we won't tell people where to find that. Uh, <laughs> oh thank goodness <laughs> yeah they won't know to go to youtube um so so as we're wrapping up season three you know we're going to take a little bit of time off um to just to kind of reset and then come back for for season four and you know we're always thinking about having new people pull in and and all that kind of stuff and um so brian and jamie i wonder if you had any if you had any advice if there's anybody out there that's like oh man that sounds fun like I wonder if, you know, could I do that or like whatever, you know, what would you say to that person? Oh, I'd just say, just go ahead and jump in and try. It's like, you know, I'd never done anything like this before. And I, I was, I was nervous about things, but it's just been a blast. Yeah. I kind of feel like my motto is always like, Meh, why not? So, uh, <laughs> so I just I mean, started, Oh, sorry, go ahead, Brian. No, you go ahead. I just started with like, a character that was more or less my normal voice and then I was like okay all right that wasn't so hard and then I tried a different character the next time and okay that was all right and so I, yeah I like I said I just why not you can always you edit do, it out you do some of my favoritest most favorite voices too Jamie you're you're, you're so great <laughs> and then you know there's also the thing it's like literally what do you have to lose here huh yeah right <laughs> right well and then and both of you guys uh you know jamie helps out with some of the editing brian has made some really fun sound effects um so there's you know there's all kinds of ways to to get involved and if anybody out there listening wants to join us please drop us a line an email find us on social media or something like that we michael can i chime in from lurking in the background you may not yes <laughs> <laughs> Jamie, Jamie said that she used the term roped in. Would that characterize how I got involved with Jollyville? Roped in? I don't know. Would it? I, I think I think so, man. I'm not going to go into <laughs> that story, but yeah, I got roped in. So if, if anybody's out there resisting to join Jollyville or something like it, don't resist because, hey, you, I'm, I'm, hey, just don't do it. <laughs> just, just do it. Don't resist. Just do it. I'm <laughs> a lurker, another lurker to be heard. Uh, wait norm your microphone is uh it's a little quiet another lurker to be heard from i'm i haven't laughed this much in a couple of years so this is worth it oh thanks i'm so that's great and for for all you listeners norman is joining us for the very first time tonight in this uh, in this conversation too so uh that's high praise (laughs) <laughs> yes, and Jamie was the one who roped me into this. A <laughs> <laughs> lot of lot of roping in happening, and to uh, Norman absolutely nails this character coming up in the episode. That uh, if anybody feels bad for me when they're listening to this episode, just know that I wrote the skit. It's cool. It's fine. I'm really enjoying self-deprecating humor through Jollyville. So, uh, Norman, thank you so for bringing that character to life because. Thank Holy you. smokes. I, I was laughing a lot too. So, well, what do you say we uh, start the episode? Sounds great.
Let's do it. Street Studios, watching as Michael Croza prepares to deliver the opening monologue of the episode. He will deliver this as Jimmy Piecrust, a static character loosely based on himself. He approaches the microphone hesitantly, as if waiting for someone or something. Let's see what he has to say. Hey, um, who are you? His existential question echoes throughout the lonely studio. His glassy eyes stare blankly in my direction from behind a pair of glasses, the lenses dull and smudged with greasy fingerprints. If I stay completely still, maybe he won't be able to see me. What? No, I can see you and and hear you. Can I help you with something? His existential yearning continues. Clearly, his need to be seen and heard are matched only by his need to be needed. I'm sure our viewers and listeners at home will be worried about the dangers of such erratic behavior, but thanks to his sedentary lifestyle and pathological conflict avoidance, you have no need to fear for the safety of your dear narrator. What? No, I'm supposed to be narr- Okay. You know what? I'm just I'm just going to dive right in. Um, <clears throat> hello, and thank you for listening to Jollyville Radio on KJVR. We have a lovely episode today, folks, and later on, we'll be having a very special visit from a local mushroom expert to tell us about the various form of fungi in the area. We'll wrap up the show, as always, with our Community Beat segment, where we feature real-life community builders. Stay tuned. Jollyville Radio will be right back after a word from our sponsors. Supportive, supportive, regenerative, regenerative, elevating, elevating. Introducing the all new line of luxury scaffolding from the designer Robert Cheerful Scaffolding. Hello, listeners. I'm Laurie Gitterdun, and I'm delighted to be hosting the new Backwoods Basics segment here on KJVR. If you think living a little out of the way means tire chains and all-terrain vehicles, this is the show for you. I hope you'll tune in regularly for timely tips, expert advice, and call-in questions about your remote living issues. With Thanksgiving behind us, it's the perfect time to clean out your gutters, since most of the leaves have fallen by now. This is a job nobody likes, but it's really important since clogged gutters can be the beginning of serious roof problems. If you're like me, you'll probably procrastinate on this job until you notice water pouring over the edge of your gutters and a heavy downpour. But that can be the perfect time to just take out the ladder and get her done. I like to toss on my swim trunks so I have less clothes to dry. Plus, it saves on a shower. But remember, listeners, just because you're remote, it doesn't mean you're alone. Those few neighbors always seem to appear at the very worst moments, as I found out once when I skipped the swim trunks, too. How embarrassing. I hope you'll tune in another time to Backwoods Basics, right here on KJVR. 
Diaries at Mont-Saint-Yen. Oh, geez. Hi, Grumpy Sue. Hey, it's nice to see you, but I don't think the fictional characters are supposed to be back here in the editing room. Oh, fooey foo foo. I need help with my social medias. Or <laughs> I guess my old Latin teacher would say the plural is supposed to be media. Anyway, there's more than one of them tarnation things, and I'm having trouble with all of them. Oh, okay. But um, the episode is still going, and we're busy editing it. I'd love to help, but maybe you can find us or Emily afterwards. Oh, you busy, busy, busy on the go kids these days. Acting like the social media stuff is the best thing since Zicker Doodle Doe cookies. You know what I'm talking about, Ricky? That Facebooky face page face off about face, and, and then they're that darn tootin' instantaneous gram or golden grams or instant grandmamas or whatever, whatever, whatever. Well, anyway, <sighs> me oh my, they don't have a thing over the party line like we did in the 1950s. Why, <laughs> we had the Council of Tammies. While Ricky, I never forget growing up way out in the country when all the mamas knew exactly what was happening before anyone had the chance to tell them <laughs> whether we were going to tell the mamas or not. A party line? You mean like a phone tree where each person is responsible for calling the next person? Oh my goodness, dear Richard Darius. No, that isn't it. You see, party lines were originally shared telephone subscriptions. It was a shared local loop, mostly in suburban and rural areas. Phone service was darn tootin' expensive, so the telephone company would run a single line to a multiple bunch of houses. Running lines? You mean like landlines? Yes, yes, dear. There was no privacy on party line. You would pick up the phone to connect a call and somebody would be yak, yak, yabbing away. And you may have to try a few different times, but eventually, eventually you'd have to ask someone to get off the darn tootin' phone if it was an emergency. And often not in the most pleasant of terms, if you know what I mean. Wait, so everyone in the neighborhood shared one phone line? What about private conversations? <laughs> private? Oh, my young man, there was no privacy, Ricky dear. Of course, there were etiquette rules, but nobody paid much attention to them, especially if they were the old nosy types. Absolutely everyone in any household with extensions could get on any phone and hear the conversation about anyone. Talk about rumors gotten started. <laughs> and beside that, that was before TV. And many a household teenager paid tricks on people and adults even listen in to the phone gossip as sheer entertainment. Wait, so if I wanted to call you, then I would dial your number. Then what? Oh, no, 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 no. If you called anyone out of your own party line, you had to connect with the operator to put you through. So knowing the operator came in quite handy when you really wanted to get the lowdown on some local happenings. There were different rings, you see, for different households. So everyone's phone would ring, but you'd have to listen for your family's distinctive ring to know if it was for you. <laughs> and of course, all the teenagers run to the phone hoping that the call was for them. Whoa, that sounds absolutely crazy and terrible. Terrible? Why, no, dear. It was amazing. I say amazing. 
Sadly, most party lines were limited by 1991 when the whole world went to hell in a handbasket. I bet you're going to have to edit that line out, and I'll be so disappointed if you do. It was so much better than all these social medias that need a different gosh darn password every time you try to make the blasted thing work. What? No, it's the same password every time. (laughs) Ricky, what sense does that make? Anyway, I took the liberty of running the KJVR phone line through the time machine for you. Wait, you did what? Why? You know, to make the station phone a party line again. And, and best of all, it runs through Jollyville in 1957. When my namesake and grandmother, Tammy Sue, <laughs> country folks just called her telephone Tammy, the terrific Templar. Well, may she rest in internal peace. Well, Tammy was the telephone operator. I don't know if that's such a good idea. Oh, Ricky, 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 you think you could say you're welcome for the big favor I just done you? Okay, we gotta go. We can talk about this later. <laughs> hey, y'all, this is Jensen Mutton. You are listening to Jollyville Radio on KJVR. <laughs> hey, Stanley. Hi, boy. Uh, did I overhear that you and Michael were roommates in college? Croso? Yeah, uh, next door neighbors, actually. Only our freshman year. We were both RAs after that. Oh, nice. I met him in grad school. Nice. Uh, in college, we pretty much only ever went by our last names so that people could tell us apart. I still only ever call him Croso. Fun. What's your last name? Stanley is my last name. Wait. My first name is Michael also. Oh. Yep. Got it. That makes way more sense. Oh, hey, what's up, y'all? Hey, Michael, or should I say Krosa? We were just talking about you. Talking about college. Oh, go Heels. And grad school. Gig'em. Yeah, Gig'em Aggies. Go Beavs. And go Falcons. Hey, Krosa, I've been meaning to ask, who's the random guy in the studio today? Dude, I have no idea. I can't figure it out. What guy? This guy's been following me around, narrating everything in real time. That happened to me, too, when I was opening the show. Is that the nature documentarian you told us about? Oh, do you mean the mushroom specialist? Uh, that guy's coming later to do a presentation or something, but uh, I haven't seen him around yet. Oh, by the way, it's just fungi. You said that wrong in the intro. I did? I caught that too. You said fungi. Okay, see, I thought that felt wrong, but that's what the mycology guy said, so I just went with it. No, it's definitely fungi. All right, well, he's late, so if you see him, please let me know. Will do. Speaking of late, I gotta head to the next skit. I'm running Spotlight. Same. I've got cue card duty. All right. Well, uh, thanks, y'all. Let me know if you see that guy around, and I'll talk to you soon. We return now to our specimen from earlier in the episode, just as he is returning from the bathroom. He has a large piece of toilet paper trailing from his shoe, but nobody has bothered to tell him about it. He pulls a choice booger from his left nostril and flicks it across the room, completely unaware that this action was not nearly as discreet as he believed it to be. As he sits back down at his desk, 
The creak of his chair combined with the greasy complexion reminds us of the age-old question, is there such a thing as ordering too much Panda Express? The answer is subjective, of course, but we can see that the outlook is not good. Rosa, are you really just going to let him talk about you like that? I don't know, man. I was hoping that if I ignored him, he would just go away. You should say something to him. No, no, man. It's fine. It's good. No, it's not all good. I'm going to go talk to him. Uh, oh, no. Um, oh, okay. Hey, man, look, I'm not sure who you are, but you're making me uncomfortable. You're making Crosa really uncomfortable. I think you're probably not supposed to be here anyway, so I think it's time for you to go. Um, I, I assure you that I was granted the proper credentials to be here. Yeah, okay, sure, dude. Who gave you permission to be here? What He did. Me? Yes, I called and offered to give you a report on the population of Michaels in Jollyville. I definitely don't remember this. You said there was a mushroom expert coming. Yeah, there is. I don't think it's this guy, though. Mushroom experts are called mycologists. I am a mycologist, and I study Michaels. Oh, my God. I could have sworn you said there were two elusive fungi here. I said two fun guys, and I meant it as a compliment. Now, are you satisfied? May I continue my research? Yeah. All right, go ahead. I guess, I'm sorry. I guess I owe you an apology. Easily manipulated. His apology falls flat. What? No. Cross, no. Hey, look, man, you got to get out of here. I said I had the proper credentials. I, yeah, I don't care. Give me the... Who told you to come here? Your operator, Tammy Sue. May I connect you? Hey, Grandma, it's me, Sue. Why, hello there, my happy little Sue. How you been? Well, Grammy, I'm grumpy these days. What'd you say? She said she's grumpy. Ooh, ooh, is that Tammy Pearl? It sure is. I was just chatting with Tammy Sue and Tammy Lynn on the party line. When y'all coming to visit, Sue? Tammy Lynn, I just came over for Salisbury Steak two nights ago. Not you, Tammy Sue. I mean your granddaughter, Sue. Who could call me grumpy, Sue? That'd be easier. You're going to make that poor girl drive all the way down to the train tracks just for that soggy excuse for a dinner, Tammy Lynn? You take that back, Tammy Pearl. I'm sure she'll be happy to come over for dinner. She's only coming from Malakoff. I thought she lived in Jollyville. Nope, she's over yonder in Malakoff. Ain't nothing good ever come from Jollyville. You take that back, Tammy Pearl. Now, just who's that now? It's me, Tammy with an I, obviously. How long have you been on the party line? Long enough to know that Tammy Sue's granddaughter, Grumpy Sue, is here. Yeah, I'm here, all right. And that Tammy Lynn had to call the pharmacy. You was on for that? Yes, and I was. I was, too. And I'm already making chicken soup to bring on over to her. Why, that's mighty sweet, Tammy Pearl. Listen, listen. I need to tell the youngins here at the radio station that all these social network shenanigans, well, they ain't worth deadly shoes. Here, party lines, all the social network I need. That's right, Tammy Sue, me too. What new things have the kids got these days? Well, well, there's one of them where you snap a picture and then you chit-chat about it. Well, now that sounds nice. Yeah, yeah, but then the picture goes away. Tell me, what good is that? Well, what if you want to see it again? 
sure you can just ask for that. And then there's that one I thought was going to be like a yearbook. You know, like when you want to remember what somebody looked like back then. Yeah, just a good old book of faces. If only. Now it's just a big old book of stupid opinions. But doesn't it at least help with facial recognition? Well, well, it had that, but then they had to go and stop it. The phone is nice, but I do like getting FaceTime with people, too. No, FaceTime is only an Apple thing. No, you're only an Apple thing. (laughs) Well, the good news is you can block people. Sometimes I wish I could block Tammy Joe from the potluck. Her king chicken casserole tastes like cigarettes. You take that back, Tammy Pearl. How long you been on the party line, Tammy Joe? I call a party line tribunal on Tammy Pearl. Ooh, this is gonna be good. Well, now, I didn't mean to hurt her feelings. How was I supposed to know she was lurking on the line? Tammy Lynn, please call this meeting to order. Order on the party line. Order on the party line. A tribunal meeting of the councils of Tammy's have been called upon Tammy Pearl by Tammy Joe. The Honorable Tammy Sue presiding. <clears throat> Tammy Joe, please state your allegations. I declare that Tammy Pearl has insulted my cooking. Duly noted. And Tammy Pearl, how do you respond? Well, now, I didn't mean it like that. The councils of Tammy's will now hear witness testimony. You were there, Grumpy Sue. Did she do it? Well, she sure did. Well, all right then. Wait a minute! The jury will now consider the charges. We have reached a conclusion, Your Honor. Go ahead. I, Tammy with an I, for Tammy of the jury, find the defendant guilty of defamation of casserole. The Judge Tamasu, operator of the party line, will now deliver the sentencing. Tammy Pearl, for the crime of defamation of casserole, you have been disinvited from bingo for two weeks. (gasps) Oh no, not bingo! Furthermore, You were required to bake a plate of brownies for Tammy Joe upon your return to the American Legion for bingo night. I don't know if I can handle that. You get what you give, Tammy Pearl. Mm Mm-hmm. That's right. That's right. Well, this has been fun, but I reckon I better let y'all go. All righty, then. Yeah, I better let y'all go, too. I better let you go. Bye-bye now. Goodbye. Bless. Talk to you later. Bye-bye. It's that weird salt burn on your tongue you get after eating too much popcorn at the movies. It's me, Callie Ford, here to ask all of the burning questions you've been dying to ask of a real-life mycologist. We've got a lot of patron questions. Are you ready? No, as ready as I'll ever be. That's what a good old pod dad likes to hear. Okay, Robert D., Sandy Robin, and first-time question askers Kaya and Josie all wrote in to say, What's the deal with so many people named Michael? Well, now that's a very interesting question. You see, most Michaels claim that their name was a family name, but this creates a chicken or egg situation. Everyone has a Michael in their families. Therefore, Michael is a family name for everyone. It's a vicious cycle. Fascinating. 
Next question was asked by Chandler, Grailman23, Erap, and the Staverton Cook, who all want to know, Michaels and cargo shorts. Is that a real thing or is it just flim flam? Well, despite the stereotypes, cargo shorts are not specific to Michaels and are, in fact, a devastating problem across a wide spectrum of humanity. However, there are some new studies about the correlation between socks and sandals coming out soon. Now, I don't want to give away too much, but Michaels probably should be on the lookout. See, that's what I've been trying to tell my Uncle Mike. Ah, so it's a family name for you, too. Exactly. Anyway, with so many Michaels out there in various fields like music... Jackson, Jagger, Bolton... And sports and entertainment... Keaton, Douglas, Jordan, the Jordan. Exactly. So many. All right, Orby Bonkers and Erwin Kablam both want to know, how long until we see a Michael in the White House? Oh, we may never know for sure, but overrepresentation of Johns and Jameses raises several questions. Now, quick aside, I went down a rabbit hole on this, and I found that not only are James and John the most popular U.S. presidential first names, they are also the most popular middle names among Michaels involved in Jollyville Radio. Coincidence? I think not. Uh, most certainly not. Well. We are so happy to have you on this show. Thank you so much for your time. My pleasure, believe me. My name is Callie Ford. Thanks for listening to Mycologies. To find out more, you can follow us on Facebook and Instagram. We are at Jollyville Radio on both. Now, stay tuned as we head out of Jollyville to learn about good people doing great work in the real world. All right. All right. So hello, everyone. Welcome to Community Beat. Today, we are featuring our very own KY's Denti um, and talking about her work in the magnetic theater. Hi, Kay. Hi, Michael. Hey, everybody. <laughs> um, cool. So magnetic theater. Can you tell us about tell us about the theater itself and then we'll kind of get into what you've been doing with them. OK, the magnetic theater is a small venue about a hundred seats, depending on um, how far out you build the stage or whatever. So it's a very small and an old building in an old section of town in the River Arts District. And it's very exciting to be involved with the Magnetic Theater because they do original plays. They uh, have an excellent program where People submit their original plays from all over the United States. And we are on a a team of people who review those. I do that as well. And we um, review the plays for the playwrights to get an honest opinion about things. You know, really at their heart, they are writer's theater. So they're open for all expressions of, um, different kinds of plays and different kind of tools to develop and distinguish their own voice, whatever the playwright is is working on. So it's just exciting to be open to uh, promoting scripts that 
rarely people find, you know, and it's yeah. like, nothing wrong with Neil Simon, Neil Simon, Neil Simon, but you know, it's sometimes it's nice to you know, <laughs> try something different. And, yeah. Um, yeah. Getting new stuff. And mm-hmm. yeah, I, I like that. I dig that. Mm-hmm. They really yeah. want to bring new playwrights visions to life. And I think that's, what's so exciting for me to be involved with them. Well, we'll have to uh, submit a Jollyville live special. Yes, definitely. <laughs> definitely. And it's yeah. very exciting to be involved in original shows and to watch original shows. And they have a variety of markets. So it's not always just, you know, it's not always family-based. Sometimes they are. Um, and they're a little, um, can be unique and different so yeah and so it hits a a wide market of people just like Asheville is unique and different so speaking of unique and and different you know we were just talking before I hit record um, about a play that you were in there although not physically there because it was it was kind of in the middle of COVID right can you tell us about that play it was very groundbreaking in the way that it was done. Um, We did it outside on the Reed Creek Parkway. And it's a walkway where people do their uh, walk the dogs, ride the bikes, skate, Mm -hmm. run, all those things. The story walked through the lives of two people and decisions that they had made in their lives and where it took them, the different paths it took them. This play was phenomenal in the fact that there were 11 vignettes and only groups of 10 audience members in masks and distancing would walk from the first vignette to the 11th vignette, which I was at the 11th vignette, but um, so the 11th story. So it was amazing that it worked. So we did this like 10 times a day because my part was maybe like seven to nine minutes. Right. And then the next group would come through. They'd start them, stagger them. So the first group would come and then 15 minutes later, the next group would come and that sort of thing. It was so well received that they had um, inquiries about how did they do that? from all over the United States. That's really cool. For other theater groups to do that. Yeah. So I was very proud to be a part of that. And that says a lot for the Magnetic Theater to have done something so groundbreaking. It was cold outside. Oh, <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. Yeah, I think it's really cool because, you know, so many performing arts people in general are really struggling on how to adapt. And I think that that's a great, um, yeah, it's a really cool example of, of a unique show style and that that might not have, you know, been created had we not had that constraint of like, well, we can't be in the theater and we can't do it. So yeah, that's really cool. Magnetic theater gives these original artists a venue to ply their craft. Right. Yeah. Because it, you know, the magnetic theater is small, so we can do a small thing and, and um, I'm not sure how funding goes. One good thing about the Magnetic Theater is all the proceeds, once the bills are due, paid, all the proceeds are divided up through all the uh, artists. 
So they oh, don't, that's, that's cool. Yeah. Yeah. So they don't, they pay everybody a little bit of something depending on the, the intake, you know, on the uh, audience intake, but um, it's really exciting to be involved in a theater group that is open, open to all different types of people and different yeah. shows, different artists, different things are on the fringe sort of thing, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. It's very exciting. Well, in, in small theater, you know, I think I think has this like real huge potential. Just of the, of the few shows that I've been in on stage, you really build really close bonds with people, um, you know, working to to build that creativity. And in fact, I mean, you and I met through a small theater show. Yeah. Um, yeah. What kind of what's the community like there at the Magnetic Theater? I think we have a core group that does um, a lot of work on the shows, sets and lighting and um, sound, but I think people come in and out. So it's not always the same people. They have structured auditions once a year that directors come and view the auditions so they can pick and choose, you know, people they might like to have in their shows. So, Hmm. um, it's, there's open to all age groups, all genders, races. It's more inclusive than just about any theater group I've ever been involved with. Another thing I That's like cool. about Magnetic is they encourage people to go and do shows at other places. They're not like, oh no, you can't do just, you know, you have to do just for us. And I think some of the right. small community groups, you know, aren't open to that. Um, so therefore it leaves the door open for a lot of different people to come in and Magnetic participates in um, other avenues like they have what they call the Magnetic U. So it's like um, different classes. There's a speakeasy uh, show coming up. There's um, they've done some improv classes. They've done uh, sound, uh, radio, different classes that people can apply their craft and go, you know, learn more and then go out and do more with it. So that's another thing I like about it. That's cool. Yeah. I like, I like the class offerings too, because that's like a new, another way for people to get involved and, and try something new. So, so if people are interested in checking out the magnetic theater, where can they go to find it online or in person? So, yeah. So that would be the magnetic theater with the R E dot org. All right. Well, cool. And we'll put we'll put a link in the show notes below. Okay. okay. <laughs> cool. Well, Kay, thank you so much for telling us about uh, Magnetic Theater. Well, thanks it's been for great inviting to have me. You. I appreciate yeah. it. Yeah. Okay. Cool. All right. All right. Well, for Jollyville Community Beat, this is Michael Croso reminding you to get out there and make a difference. Cheers. Bye. Bye. Jollyville Radio will be taking a break for the holidays, but we will be back for season four. In the meantime, you can check out some of the awesome work being created by our friends in the Pizza Rice Podcasting Collaborative at PizzaRicePodcast.com. Episode 307 of Jollyville Radio includes the work of Emily Ansonic, Uncle Asar Al-Kebalon, Michael Crosa, Michelle Darcy, Jamie Davis, Norman Davis, Richard Dayries, Brian Green, Dr. Monse Santian, Thomas Schlitt, J.B. Skurlock, Michael Stanley, and K.Y.'s Denti. Jollyville Radio is a member of the Pizza Rice Podcasting Collaborative. 
The recording was made in accordance with social distancing, and we are based in Chattanooga, Tennessee. Direction and music by Michael Crosa, with social media help from Emily Ansonic. Our talented editors are Jamie Davis, Richard Davies, and Dr. Monse Santian. The writer's room of episode 307 includes Uncle Asar Al-Kebulan, Michael Crosa, Brian Green, and KY's Denti. We'll see you next time on Jollyville Radio. Michelle, can we get a couple different versions of Harumph? Because we're, we're getting, uh, I'm getting a little bit of a Zoom glitchiness on it. Are you on? Are you recording? Well, I declare. How many do you want me to do more of this? Somebody will think I'm having a good time here all alone in the house, Michael. <laughs> Let's see, I'm going to release that as a, as a Jollyville exclusive ringtone. <laughs> oh, wait a minute, I'm going to put myself on mute. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'm going to stop recording. Proud member of the Podnuga Network.